tomorrow morning early a file and some whittles you bring the lot to me at that old battery over yonder you do it and you'll never dare to say a word or dare to make us a sign concerning your having seen such a person as me or any person some ever and you shall be let to live you fail and your heart and liver shall be torn out roasted and ate now I ain't alone as you may think I am. There's a young man hid with me, and he has a secret way of getting at a boy, and his heart, and his liver. Now, what do you say, eh? I said that I would get him the file, and I would get him what broken bits of food I could, and I would come to him at the battery early in the morning. Now, he pursued, you remember what you undertook. And you remember that young man, and you get home. Good, good night, sir. He clasped his arms round his shuddering body and limped towards the low church wall. He got over it, then turned round to look for me. When I saw him turning, I set my face towards home and made the best use of my legs. When I stopped to look after him, the marshes were just a long, black, horizontal line. On the edge of the river, the only thing I could faintly make out was a gibbet with some chains hanging on it which had once held a pirate. The man was limping on towards it. I looked all round for the horrible young man and could see no signs of him. But now I was frightened again and ran home without stopping. My sister, Mrs. Joe Gargery, was more than twenty years older than I, and had established a great reputation with herself and the neighbours because she had brought me up by hand. She had a hard and heavy hand and was as much in the habit of laying it upon her husband as well as upon me. So I suppose that Joe Gargery and I were both brought up by hand. Joe was a fair man with curls of flaxen hair on each side of his smooth face and with eyes of such a very undecided blue that they seemed to have somehow got mixed up with their own whites. He was a mild, good-natured, sweet-tempered, easy-going, foolish, dear fellow. My sister, Mrs. Joe, with black hair and eyes, had such a prevailing redness of skin that I used to wonder if she washed herself with a nutmeg grater instead of soap. She was tall and bony and almost always wore a coarse apron with a square bib in front. Joe's forge adjoined our house, which was a wooden one, as most of our country dwellings were. When I ran home from the churchyard, the forge was shut up and Joe was sitting in the kitchen. "'Where have you been, you young monkey? Tell me directly what you've been doing,' said Mrs. Joe, stamping her foot. "'I have only been to the churchyard,' said I. My thoughts strayed to the fugitive out on the marshes with the iron leg, the mysterious young man, the file, the food, and the dreadful pledge I was under to commit larceny in these sheltering premises. Ah, said Mrs. Joe, churchyard indeed. You'll drive me to the churchyard one of these days. She applied herself to set the tea things. On the present occasion, though I was hungry, I dared not eat my bread and butter. I felt that I must have something in reserve for my dreadful acquaintance. I knew Mrs. Joe's housekeeping to be of the strictest kind, and there might be nothing in the safe. When no one was looking at me, I put my chunk of bread and butter down the leg of my trousers. Later, when I went to bed, I was afraid to sleep. 
and as soon as the great black velvet pall outside my little window was shot with grey, I got up and went downstairs. I had no time to spare. I stole some bread, some cheese, about half a jar of mincemeat which I tied up in my pocket handkerchief with my last night's slice, some brandy from a stone bottle, diluting the stone bottle from a jug in the kitchen cupboard, a meat bone with very little on it, and a round, compact pork pie. There was a door in the kitchen communicating with the forge. I unlocked and unbolted that door and got a file from among Joe's tools. Then I put the fastenings as I had found them, shut the door, and ran for the misty marshes. The mist was heavier yet when I got out upon the marshes, so that instead of my running at everything, everything seemed to run at me. I had just crossed a ditch which I knew to be very near the battery when I saw a man sitting before me. His back was towards me. I went softly and touched...